Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Indie Club Podcast. I'm today joined by Dan Perry. He's a co-founder of Tectonic. Uh, he will be introducing himself. So I will just tell you quickly that Tectonic is a company that helps startups understand the exact needs of their current and potential customers. And I think it's really exciting. Uh, and I'm looking forward to Dan sharing his story. And I will let him take it away and introduce himself. So please go on, Dan. Sure thing. Uh, hi, everyone. I am Dan. Uh, and yeah, so... I'll give you a brief rundown of how I got to where Tectonic uh, is and it will help explain kind of why we do what we do. So um, I started um, in computer science, doing computer science when I was younger because I wanted to make video games and I love video games. I'm not very good at them, but I love them. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll be good at the ones that I make. Uh, on my first day, I realized that I cannot program. I do not have the capacity and mental acuity to uh, program and I told my mom and mom was like, stick it through, you've only got three years to go. Um, as many ethnic parents <laughs> uh, <laughs> want to say to their kids. So I did and then I um, failed multiple times throughout the year uh, and throughout the years, but made it through. And then I did, uh, while I was trying to figure out what I want to do, I did tech support for a while because I was always good at solving problems and fixing computers. Um, and that was fun for a while, but I realized that I wanted to be around more creative people and do more creative things because in my spare time, I was always making, making stuff, music, writing, um, stories, all uh, artistic things. So I moved to an advertising agency and did, and did tech support there for a while while I tried to figure out what I wanted to do and realized there was a group of people that were wrote stuff. And I was like, I like writing stuff. So I, uh, effectively took a week's holiday to work in the creative department uh, which was downstairs um, for the first few days people kept on asking me to turn off their computers and turn it back on again and I was like you can literally do that yourself um, but after a while I realized that being a copywriter was exactly what I wanted to do I enjoyed coming up with concepts and writing stuff and perfecting the written word um, and I like writing tweets so I eventually went back to IT and hated it um, and said, I'm never going to do that again. So quit. <laughs> and then um, figured out a way of becoming a copywriter. Um, and we actually went back to my old job as a copywriter. Um, and while I was doing that, I, my brother always had a music tech startup that he was working on with his friends. And what he was trying to do was to help DJs um, pr basically promote themselves better so that they can get uh, better gigs, especially up and coming DJs especially back in the day, it was very difficult to find up-and-coming DJs. Um, his initial plan was to build a three-sided marketplace, but three-sided marketplaces are a terrible um, thing to start on initially. So he still started by focusing on the DJs. And I, um, he kept on asking me to get involved, and I said no, um, because I wasn't really comfortable with my skills that I had uh, recently acquired. And then at one point, I realized that he was a genius, and I didn't want to be poor without him. So <laughs> I um, got on this startup journey and realized that I enjoy the act of creating something and making something from nothing. And I get to use all the skills that I've acquired and um, eventually quit my job as a copywriter because nobody likes reading, as you can tell from, <laughs> um, and focused predominantly on the tech startup. And we, um, that was fun, learning how to build a business, talking to DJs, doing, being in a passionate, uh, in a place that we were both passionate about 
and trying to help people with creatives it's a, a thing that I'm really passionate about as well um, we've got some um, yeah we've got some funding for that too and try to grow the business and but because it was difficult to um, get money from DJs because getting money from any total creative is usually quite tricky so we and people kept on asking us about our app and how we built it so we started building apps for people but um, and to bootstrap the business and as we were bootstrapping that we built more and more apps and then built uh, and spoke, spoke to more and more founders and then um, that became our primary business because uh, Cambridge Analytica happened which killed data <laughs> and um, and this business was it was yeah something that we the market was pulling us the market was calling us at first initially for example we wanted to just build prototypes um and then people kept on asking us carl can you just build us a real thing we were like no we don't want to do that because we don't want to compete but the market kept on asking us to build full apps so we did that and then we realized when we were building the apps people were not building the right thing for the market because they were building what they wanted and their vision and not what the market needed so we okay. developed a process great uh, i just want to stop you here because i think this is a great subject where uh how do you approach telling to your client that they are basically wrong <laughs> and when i work with my clients and we are in the basically similar industry doing the similar job and i think i know it's always a challenge where uh finding the common ground between what client thinks they need and what we know they actually need. So because we know we have the industry experience, uh, know the market, how we test with the customers and client has an idea and they want to, they want to make, create this idea, but they not necessarily know how to, everything works. Mm -hmm. So, so, and I always give uh, my best not to, uh, you know, uh, constrain anybody's vision but I always want to kind of put it in a proper context and make sure they succeed. This is the mm -hmm. goal. So how do you, uh, how do you approach the clients with, with that? Yeah. So uh, that's a really good question. Um, one of the, the ways that we approach it is that we set ourselves up as the experts in the field. So we've done, we would have done hundreds of interviews. We would have done loads of prototypes and we give, present them the information in the best possible way. We think because of this evidence that we've either amassed ourselves or from the market that you should do X, Y, or Z. However, it is your choice and your money. You might be right. The chances are you're not, <laughs> but you might be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, abs absolutely. Yeah. So you, you started working with startups and I think this is the, uh, for creatives, this is the best kind of playground to, 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 to work. And I know a lot of people who are starting out and trying to find themselves, uh, don't know what, like, what is the market segment they want to, you know, okay. commit themselves to, uh, what is the type of companies or, or founders they want to work with. Uh, do you have any like, uh, advice for people, how to find themselves to position themselves and find a type of clients they want to work with? Like what was yeah. your process and how would you advise people to approach this? Sure. So I guess it, it really does depend on your, personal goals like and if your personal if your goal is to try and amass as much money as possible which is a fine personal goal um then you may take certain actions and or if your if your goal is to make enough money doing something that you enjoy doing and and with clients and customers that you kind of like you may take a different goal so my natural inclination is to 
follow my passions and try and be around people that I like being around. So I enjoy being around entrepreneurs. It gets me in situations where I get to talk to wonderful people like you, right? Uh, like, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so like, I enjoy, I enjoy the hustle. I enjoy the ups and the downs. Um, and, and, I, and I find a natural affinity with those kind of people. So I think I just tend to follow my curiosity and follow my passion because um, if I do and, and follow the skills that I have, if I do, then the chances are I'll be able to come across problems in the space. And if people are passionate about the problem, then it's easier to build a business around that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my approach. Yeah, okay. So you, you're, you, well, you said that you're bootstrapping your company, right? And you are targeting startups. And I know that it's uh, challenging. A lot of startups either have limited funding or no, no funding at all. Mm -hmm. So did at any point uh, when you were building your company that affected any decisions you made in the, who you want to work with and how? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So I think uh, it's an interesting question. I think as you are building your business, the chances are you may not have the luxury of choice as to who you actually want to work with. People assume that when you're starting your business, you can just go after your exact target customer. And that may not be true. So um, initially, when you start, you may be able to only get the customers that are in front of you. Um, but however, the learning that you gain from that customer Will allow you to get the data back to tell you whether you should continue with those customer types or whether you need to pivot um, your product or pivot your service. So I think that iteration of your offering, of your messaging, of your customer type allows you to figure out where you actually sit. Um, people often make it feel like it's a super binary thing, like I chose these customers and now I've got this one. It's like that's not often the case. So I yeah. think it's a case of iterating on your customer type, which is what we've been doing. And the learnings that we've got from that has allowed us to segment our, our, car, our market um, more effectively. Do you have any specific, and you can feel free to say no, but like okay. speci uh, specific uh, approach to actually refining your customers. Like, did you like read a book or there's a framework you follow or it basically just comes from a feeling uh, yeah, internal? Sure. Um, so it's actually um, a combination of all, of all of those things because you get learning from everything. Um, the main thing that I, uh, we started off with was the Lean Startup. Um, that was a really great book by Eric Ries, which helped us understand the process of what a Lean Startup could be. Um, and then in terms of the approach for speaking to or finding customers, going out to them and talking to them and seeing what their problems are and whether the thing that you're offering is actually the right thing for them and seeing whether they have problems. And then I guess, um, yeah. And then also just stating the intent as in like I, a, for example, if we wanted series a, uh, startups, which we always do, <laughs> but like, um, yes, this, that's what we want to get. How do we get those? Who are the decision makers within those businesses? What problems are they having? So really, really everything that we do is actually rooted down in problem. And I think that's where people sometimes go wrong um, because they go in with a solution in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I know that, uh, feel free to skip this subject, but I know that you've uh, taken on outside capital to yeah. grow your business. Yeah. Is this something that I'm free to ask you? 
Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. Uh, so can, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hear how it came about you actually deciding to raise outside capital mm -hmm. and, yeah. and what was the main driver behind that decision? Sure. So um, we were completely bootstrapped, as I mentioned, from um, the, in for three years, pretty much. And we were had plans, goals, and intentions, and dreams, and never thought about any investment, uh, internal, external investment. And then we were approached by a company um, called Cornerstone, who invest primarily in black-owned businesses. And their kind of values kind of aligned with ours. And um, it was there was a period of courting. <laughs> it was a bit like dating, <laughs> I guess. But like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I think the interesting thing, the interesting question is, not whether individuals or businesses take investment, but is if the investment and the capital is actually in line with your goals. So oftentimes when we speak to early stage startups, for example, many of them are like, how do I get investment? Like you might not need investment. <laughs> you might like, depending on what you're actually trying to achieve, you may be able to generate a very profitable business without taking on any external investment and you may not need to take on some investment. The alternative as well is if you are in a space where you need to grow very quickly and capital is the uh, fuel you need for you to acquire a vast number of customers, for you to grow your market, um, to do some marketing, you may need investment. Or if, you're, if your technology is particularly uh, expensive, so I think it really depends on what your goals are. So yeah, we took a, on investment because our kind of our goals aligned, which are basically to help as many people with their entrepreneurship journey build sustainable businesses that are meaningful. And okay. yeah, cool. That, that yeah. sounds yeah, that sounds like a noble, worthy cause to pursue. And do you plan on do you plan on uh, did you consider <clears throat> sorry. Uh, do you plan on developing your own products in the future, being backed by this uh, uh, capital, or or do you just tend on seeking out outside clients? Yeah, so I think um, me personally, I'm a big fan of technology, being able to um, remove the swapping the time, swapping time and money. I don't know if, uh, about you, but like trading time for money can be exhausting. <laughs> um, so using technology to be able to scale some of the things that. Um, some of the ideas that we have and, and, the, and the processes is key. So we actually are thinking about like a product at the moment in term, to try and help us scale the business um, using technology. So yeah, I think um, one of the key levers for capital is being able to build things that allow people to, um, allow businesses to be able to scale and grow and create more value and make revenue and generate value while you sleep. And I really want to sleep a lot. <laughs> especially in this pandemic <laughs> sleep while money is coming in that sounds like a dream come true it is it, 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 it is it is and i think it's and, and i think it's i don't know i don't know what your what are your thoughts on like building products and um and services like are you, is that something that you so uh personally i'm currently involved as a co-founder on one of the products that recently won Startup Weekend in Germany. Oh, excellent. And it's basically uh, like a, in, because it, the, <coughs> excuse me, the, 
the topic of uh, Startup Weekend was COVID-19 and all of the startup ideas were around solving problems that COVID-19 basically uh, now created. So uh, this idea is having a digital kindergarten for parents who are staying at home with their kids, uh, nice. preschoolers. And uh, the major problem with uh, parenting in the society in general is that nobody thought parents how to be a parent, right? There's There are books, but realistically, how many people actually read books or take <laughs> classes? And even if they do, you, you're only human and you have finite energy to deal with everything. And everybody's being put under a lot of stress at this moment. So this app basically brings the structure that you have in the kindergarten because you know kids today they are like oh he's an angel when he's in the kindergarten then he comes home and he's a nightmare yes because they don't have the same structure at home and this uh, app will be backed by uh, a lot of research coming from people who are uh, experts in the field working with kids and uh, basically it will give the parents, it will help parents to give their kids the same structure they would have in the kid, kindergarten with uh, learning activities, uh, downtime, uh, rest time, fun, and then regulate how much time they spend in front of a screen or whatever, like is it a uh, watching cartoon or whatever the award, award would be. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the thing where it's it will, I, I think, succeed is it will give parents a lot of uh, quiet time to work while they're home and and it's an interesting it's an interesting take yeah. and the first time in my life where i found myself uh being a part of a product that i'm not the idea guy in yes. i usually i'm the one that has all of these ideas and i'm trying to gather as much people around me as i can and then build something but this is the first time where i heard an idea that was like oh this makes sense yeah. and i know a lot of people need something like this so yeah. so so it could be interesting so so yeah. we'll see but yeah i i agree i agree completely that um i love building products and it is something that i have been doing for years and just like you said exchanging time and experience it, it just it has you you are a finite resource Absolutely. and then at some point you will not be in young forever you will not have the same energy and you need to find a way where you can bring more value for, exactly. for the same amount of time yeah. so yeah i agree 100 percent. and Before, i think the that, sorry the way that you described it as well is like it is the generation of value like the, the exchange of value for money is what it is but like being able to generate value while you sleep that's actually what you're doing exactly exactly yeah. this is why one of the reasons why i do uh this podcast because while i'm not doing it i hope somebody gets the value out of it exactly. so exactly. before i come back to tectonic and business i just want to take a quick break because uh, you mentioned something at the beginning uh like you said you're having like ethnic parents saying like you need to finish high school yeah. and, and and i come from a similar background uh and, and i understand it was like when i was growing up there was a saying crazy like you when you finish college, at least you will have the paper to prove it, right? Yes, at least, absolutely. Like you will have something to yeah. show for it. That, and I dropped out of college in year two. Yeah. Uh, and I wrote an article a couple of months back. It's in creation. I'm working on it, having it translated into English. Uh, but it, as with everything, uh, it never gets to be a priority. Yeah. But the, uh, the title of the article was that we, uh, like our generation, is thought, uh, we are, we are, being basically brought up and taught to be poor not Mm. in a way where uh, i don't know your backstory so feel free to fill any gaps but uh i come from croatia that's like 
fairly poor country and uh, I grew up during the war and my parents were, they always wanted the best for me, but their best was better than they had it and they didn't have it great. So, so for them, my ideal me would be like, oh, you have a college, you get a job and then you work nine to five and then like you go to pension or whatever. So, so they didn't have this uh, entrepreneurial spirit to instill in me. It's something that basically came from, uh, I don't know, books or internet or whatever. Like uh, it was just, a, I think it was a dumb luck basically. But uh, I don't know how you feel about this. Like that we, we basically, parents like our, our parents are not raising entrepreneurs in general sense. And this is how I feel at the moment. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because similarly, uh, I was born here though. Uh, my parents are from Ghana. But what was interesting is, I guess, I was like born in, um, 84, which meant that by the time I was like 12 or 11, 12, like the internet was starting to become more popular, had it in our house, which meant that you started to be able to see the opportunities that the internet was affording relatively regular people, even if you weren't directly affected by it. Or So like that understanding was great, but it was completely opposite to the understanding that your parents had. They were like, why are you on the internet? Get off. <laughs> yeah. Stop wasting time. Right. Yeah. So, and, and I think that if you're able, if you were able to kind of get through that and use that entrepreneurial skills that you may have learned or creative skills you may have learned, um, there are opportunities there that, um, if you understood it, you could have benefited from, but like, because for so long you were on that track mind of, oh, I need to go to school. Then I need to go to university. Once I go to university, I need to get a job. Once I've had a couple of jobs, I need to get a house. And I need to get a wife, I need to get kids, I need to do, and these are the things that I need to do in order to please my parents. Yeah. I think the internet kind of shaped shook that up. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I agree. I always thought that there's like um, a certain percentage of people who live this to-do list type of life. Mm -hmm. like, exactly, like finish grade school with straight A's, finish high school, finish yeah. college, get a driver's license, find a wife, get yeah. married, have kids, and then get a job. And then basically when they get all the check marks mm -hmm. and get to a point where it's like it's usually around early to mid 30s mm -hmm. and it comes to a halt where it's like okay now what mm, yeah well, know, so like, what, what's also super interesting to me though is I've, i'm often jealous of those people maybe not the, not maybe not the now what thing but like of that straight track through because an entrepreneurial life there are like it's literally uncertain day to day like this level of uncertainty, I was talking to a friend of mine and she's run her own business for like 10 years. And she said that this level of uncertainty that everyone's having now due to the pandemic, um, she feels that it's unfortunate. Um, but she's like, I've had to deal with massive levels of uncertainty every day, which makes entrepreneurs really suited to this uh, environment. Take away the obviously negatives of death and, and uh, all, all the terrible things but like yeah being able to deal with uncertainty and get new information and then react and, and also not know what's happening tomorrow oh, will my business survive will my will the suppliers come through uh, will there be customers like ha, ha, does this messaging land does this app work yeah yeah like, yeah i think that uh entrepreneurs are like people or freelancers or people like us who are yes. you you're very you're not risk averse so yeah. you can you you can you can wake up and go to sleep and not have a bad day just because something bad is happening. And as you yeah. know, there will be a next day and yeah. tomorrow and nothing like you, 
there will not be the end of the world. And they've, and they've developed skills. They've developed skills. And that's why I'm really a big fan of like communities like yours. Like they're people who are, who have or are developing skills to be able to weather storms and yeah. there will always be storms. One thing that uh, I did, uh, so it comes to uh, fairly similar. I think it, a lot of these things are rooted in fear. Mm -hmm. And when I was doing a workshop on public speaking, because I, I took my stand-up comedy experience and I brought it to a workshop where people can learn how to basically just stand in front of people and do a simple presentation. It doesn't have to be stand-up comedy, but just come into your office and speak in front of 10 people. It can be extremely frightening to, to a lot of people. So I would usually take somebody from the audience who you know shits their pants when they see like, see the stage and i would put them next to me on stage and i would be speaking they would just be standing there watching the crowd and i would tell one of my extremely embarrassing stories that i have from what happened to me and basically share something that a lot of people would uh, have the you know uh, like i would fall into the ground and i like, couldn't look anybody in the eye it doesn't yeah. and and i share my story that it's like that type of story and i'm more than happy to share it with you once we're done yeah. uh, <laughs> and not on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, not on the podcast. Not yet. Maybe in one of the special episodes. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and then basically nothing happens. And I asked them, like, do you see? Like, nothing happened. We survived. People are laughing. We are all human. We all have bad days. And we can just go on with it. Because a lot of people stop when they, they have this... Uh, idea of the worst case scenario but they never play it through they're just like oh this will happen i was like okay yeah. this will happen it will you will lose all your money you will go bankrupt then what yeah. like what happens the next day well yeah. i will need to find a job cool you will find a job what happens then you get a paycheck yeah. Yeah. you pay off your debts and then you're back here and people are like oh yeah okay but nobody goes that couple of steps further yeah and, and i think this is the problem we need to just help those people to kind of overcome these uh blocks in their head well they just yeah. like okay you can go forward yeah. There's this concept of, um, and, I'm, and I'm definitely butchering the phrase, but it's about like th some lots of things actually have a very limited downside and they have infinite upside. So if, for example, I made a complete and utter fool of myself on this podcast and it went out, like it's like life will continue. Unfortunately, <laughs> like it, it, it'll be okay. But the opportunities that I have for building a relationship with you of like building a relationship with the community, there may be really good things that happen from it. Like there are so many things that have very little downside. And I, I think people, so many people focus on the negative and the downside. Oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? Or even if it does happen, you'll be fine. Yeah, ex absolutely. I agree. In the, I don't know how I, I've been in the UK for a little over two years. So I don't know, you know, entire inner workings of, of how the school system works, how people who are raised here kind of click. But uh, coming from in Croatia, for some reason, I don't know why, there's this um, cloud of negativity in, in on top of people. When you would say, for example, like, oh, I'm going to be whatever. Like when I would say 15 years ago, I'm going to be a comedian. Everybody would react like you, a yeah. comedian. Or like, oh, I'm going to be this. Everybody has this... Uh, a mockery tone like whatever it is doesn't matter like oh yeah. it's not that i said i'm going to be a ballerina right yeah. so it's like it's something that it's more Which realistic be <laughs> yeah so so people are like like yeah and it strikes into into your self-esteem you know so uh because nobody around you actually believes that you can do it so i know it is hard for a lot of people who are just surrounded by negativity to yeah. actually go and do something when everybody is telling them they will not succeed uh, yeah yeah it's interesting it's um 
I think there's a phrase in Australia, which is like the tall poppy syndrome, which is like anyone that tries to do anything that makes them shine, people will usually try and bring them down. And what's interesting is similarly in, I think in Europe, that kind of thing kind of happens. Whereas in America, if you tell someone that you want to be a comedian, chances are everyone will be like, cool man, like I'll come to see you. Like it's just a difference in, in um, ethic in some some respects. Obviously, America is not the best at everything. Um, yeah, well, uh, but yeah, yeah I, all the Americans that I met in my career, everybody has been super supportive of mm. a lot of stuff. Even, even uh, so I have, when I moved here, I, I met a lot of people, obviously, in London, but whoever learned or I told him that I was a comedian, everybody's like, oh, when is your next show? Yeah. I want to come see you. And even uh, even a guy from Australia, so even yeah. he was like he was like he, he was very he was uh, very happy in my show, very loud, very drunk, uh, had, had some great fun. But but people were very uh, very supportive, and this is one of the reasons why I moved when I first came to UK six years ago for the first time in my life when I was in London. Uh, I think it was like fifteen minutes into. Uh, my first underground experience. So it was from the airport in the underground. I was looking at a map for the first time in my life. I'm looking at this London tube map, Some, something <laughs> that you only see. Thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something that you only see as a wallpaper until you actually yeah. move here. Yeah. And I was looking at a map. It was longer than 15 seconds. And a guy approached me and asked mm -hmm. me, do I need help? Am I lost? And I was like, okay, no, no, sir. Like this never happened. But no, came into the tube. And uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time, she was sitting down. I was standing, uh, uh, standing above her and we were talking. And the guy sitting next to her, he was like in his late 40s. And he asked me, do I want to take his seat so we can continue our conversation? I was mm -hmm. like, just mind blown. Yeah. Like, why would, like, just couldn't believe like this is happening and decided then and there, okay, this is where I'm moving. Yeah. This is, this, I want to live here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. London, like I've lived in London a vast majority of my life. Um, and it was, and when it's good and everyone's like positive and great and kind, like it really is wonderful. Um, I used to live in Edinburgh and that was really lovely, except that it was just cold. And as a black as a black man, like I cannot deal with the cold too 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 well. But yeah, well, tell me about it. I'm a I'm a Mediterranean guy that just loves the sea. And yeah. uh, this is perfect day today in London. Exactly, perfect day. Perfect, perfect day. day. Twenty five <laughs> degrees. Oh man, just I just miss the beach. Yes, the beach. It's fun. Yeah, but yeah. I know exactly what you're thinking. I, I never been to Edinburgh. It's on my list. Uh, part. Part of it is the French festival because yeah. of all of the comedy yeah. and, and the other part is just, I want to, I just want to go there and just not in the city. I want to explore. And that's one of the, one of the things that just, it's very, very high on my list. Yes. You should definitely do it. Yeah. It's lovely. It's yeah. a lovely place and lovely people. Um, oh, I know. I was in, I was in uh, Ireland last year in Limerick mm -hmm. and my friend lives there. So we went, I, when I was in my teens, I worked in an Irish pub in Croatia. So I always kind of want to go to a proper Irish pub. I was never, yeah. and, and I didn't want to go to, you know, Dublin where it's like London. It's like everybody. I want to go to somewhere where it's like proper Irish pub. And I got a real proper Irish pub experience with people playing violin and uh, mm -hmm. music and got drunk as hell and got out. And it was last year when it was a hurricane in, in in Ireland and we had no idea we got a shit face and yeah. we were like oh look at me I'm standing and the wind is helping me stand I can't fall and we went yeah. all like oh look at this tree being torn out of the out oh, of wow. the land 
And we got home, woke up next day, like, oh, there was a tornado. <laughs> it was like, we had no idea like, why there's nobody in the street. But that was a good, good proper Irish experience after like seven or eight Guinness. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I know that we got sidetracked a bit. Uh, let me go back to Tectonic. I have a couple more questions around uh, business and then uh, I'll try to, uh, I'll try to ask a couple more. Um, so, but, so I know that on your site, you have a, a clear messaging where you help companies improve their business metrics. And uh, this is the question that like, um, what would you say about some products having poor, some startups failing due to their poor distribution uh, not being bad product? Like, what do you think of that? Yeah, sure. So it's a really interesting question. Um, I think so the, the, the real answer is the answers to everything lie with your customer. If you know who your customer is, if you know what the problems they have, what problems they have, if you know how to reach them, which is part of the marketing and channel, to them, um, if you can afford to provide the service that you're offering as well, um, which is something that people often don't think about, um, then naturally all your other metrics will go up, your word of mouth will go up, your uh, uh, cost of acquisition will go down, hopefully, your um, yeah, lifetime value will go up. So that messaging around the metrics is, is messaging to make it clear that your business will be better by you understanding your customers more effectively. And I think that's something that lots of businesses don't do and lots of individuals don't do because it's much harder than just building, trying to build something great. People think that if I build a product good enough, my customers will come. And there's lots of big, there's lots of great products and services out there that people haven't flocked to because it hasn't actually solved a real need. Yeah. 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 One of the reasons that uh, I'm not opposed to uh, ads in you know social media platforms mm -hmm. or wherever because they actually help me to discover some great products that I wouldn't otherwise discover because we are bombarded by everything. So mm -hmm. uh, even even I don't I'm sure that you know who Tim Ferriss is. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I listen to his podcast regularly and a couple of months back he decided to stop with the ads in his uh, podcast. So he usually opens up with mentioning some product yeah. or whatever yeah. and and he got a huge uh, backslash from his listener uh base they said like oh no bring back the ads because mm. it just takes a couple of minutes and we learn about new products that mm. like he mentions something that oh i never heard about this I, he oh. mentioned uh sam harris and his waking up course oh yeah they, right? i started using it yeah. So, yeah. so, so uh, I heard about it there and I, I didn't think twice about it. I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm using something different. Blah, blah, blah. And then uh, a friend of mine, he said, Oh, I actually heard it too. Uh, took a crack at it. It's amazing. Try it out. And it wouldn't come to be if, if he wasn't there, if Sam, Sam Harris wasn't a guest and so on. So I think it's, it's, it's actually, it's actually good. Yeah. Like my, uh, my feeling around all that stuff is it, because there are so many products and services out there, actually, word of mouth and curation from influencers and that's not models who are uh, doing duck face in pictures but people influential in your lives and careers um sharing products and services is actually pretty good so again i don't mind ads especially if you're running a business you should probably be paying attention to as many ads as possible to try and understand your market a little bit better and also who people think you are and what's working 
like what ads make you stop? What ads make you what uh, what ads do you watch the whole of? Because at some point you really need to advertise your product or service, and knowing what is a good ad is uh, a key skill, and you might as well learn on someone else's dollar. Yeah, I I think this is yeah that's a great point. I read a book by a guy called uh, Russell Brunson. He yeah yeah you know who he is so yeah, yeah. Big funnels man. Yeah, ClickFunnels guy. So, yeah. so basically, he built ClickFunnels on it. He, as a kid, was obsessed with those uh, uh, literal spam mail that comes into mm. your mail, mm. and he grew up just trying to ingest as much as those mm. he can. Just learn ab- about them, and then basically everything he learned just applied and built an online yeah. product on yeah. it. So, I think that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, I know that you are a big believer in communities and uh, you have your own podcast that I listen to. Uh, uh, we, I mentioned that before we actually started. And I just want to ask you uh, from your perspective, um, what do you think, how much community actually affects your business? This mm-hmm. is number one. And number two is what would you advise to people uh, how to how should they engage with the communities? Mm-hmm. Then I'll tell you what I think about it, but I just want to hear you first. So Yeah, sure. So um, first question was around how these communities... Um, how, like how, how benefit your... How do you, did communities benefit your company in the past? Yeah, sure. In, in, so You're building your company. Yeah, so the communities definitely benefit anything that you're trying to do, especially if you find the right communities and you're involved in them in the right reasons. So one of the key communities that I'm part of is um, there's a company called Us2, um, and they are a um, digital agency, and they have an arm called uh, Us2 Adventures, and we were part of that community, and they were basically trying to help startups grow and foster. And uh, that was about three years ago that we were part of it, and we're still communicating. Everyone is still really helpful in that group. There are so many people that have done really well in there. Um, there are, um, they've also got us two games who make um, amazing games as well. So like being part of a community is such an important thing because you get to learn from people's experiences, especially for example, when COVID really hit and everyone was, the businesses really um, started to suffer for that first two, three weeks. Like talking to people, not just about their business, but about how they were actually feeling was so powerful and so humanizing so i think being part of communities whether that's based on your interests whether that's based on your circumstance whether that's based on your aspirations and dreams um is useful for connecting with people and i think connecting with people is just one of the key things that you should be doing as an entrepreneur um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah okay first thing uh you mentioned us too and he, correct me if I'm wrong. That's the company behind Monument Valley, right? Yes, yes, yes. I know them. I love their games. They're yes. they are so different from everything else you can see, and, and it's so enjoyable. And anybody listening, if you haven't had a chance to play Monument Valley one or two, yes. just go download the game. I think it's the the best money ever spent on a on an app store ever. But apparently, it's uh, free. I think it's free now during COVID. I think they made it free. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. Go and download it now. In that case, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, I, I'm a strong uh, advocate of communities, as you might see. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when I talk to people, there there are some people who kind of misinterpret when I say be a part of a community and let community help you with your business. A lot of people just join Slack and start spamming with their yeah. 
ads or like, yeah. oh, I'm doing this or whatever. In one of my groups on Facebook, I even banned self-promotion. Mm -hmm. It's a community where you can engage, but you can't self-promote. Yeah. It's, it's strictly forbidden. It's like instant ban. Mm -hmm. And, and um, it takes time. And this is something I know that a lot of people are impatient. I like want it every tomorrow. Yeah. And what would be your advice for somebody just starting out? Like how to get involved in the community? I know a lot of people have imposter syndrome and they don't know like, oh, do I bring any value to the table? If they are just asking questions, they feel that they're just taking away, bringing nothing to the table. I had the same problem when I started out, like feeling that I'm mooching from everybody, but not, you know, giving anything back. So uh, what would be your advice to somebody who's just like yeah, early, sure. early in their career? Yeah. So I think, um, if you engage in a community, so regardless of whether you are an uh, introvert or an extrovert, I think being authentic, authentically engaging in a community and um, paying attention to people, asking honest questions, being kind with your responses, giving back to the community. So you may feel like you have nothing of value and that's unlikely true. It, uh, the way that it would normally work is, um, if you, so I'm part of a lot of uh, music communities on online and I don't post as much as I should because um, I don't think my music is as good as theirs. <laughs> but um, oftentimes you will, I will like posts and talk to people about the songs that they just made, ask them questions. And by doing that and showing up every day, you end up building some, uh, a reputation as in A, an inquisitive person or a person who shares interesting things or a person who's just got who's nice or funny and so that people start to see who you are so i think being authentic and 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 giving and and whether that's a nice comment or uh, actual value is useful and yeah i think having open conversations uh, and being willing to make a fool of yourself in inverted commas uh, because you don't know something is showing vulnerability and being vulnerable is um, a good trait to have in especially in communities because people want to help because most people want to show off what they know right so um yeah 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 you're 100 percent correct i just uh i hate saying yes i agree yes i agree because <laughs> i don't want this to be that type of podcast where i yeah. bring on a guest that basically he is <laughs> you you're like my sounding board and my you know my confirmation bias like oh yeah this guy yeah. agrees with everything <laughs> <laughs> okay so um uh last question about business and then i'm trying to wrap it up we, we, we've been at this almost an hour so uh, it doesn't feel like it i know it doesn't feel like <laughs> it and i'm really trying to be respectful of your time but uh, don't worry i've got no to know <laughs> i could do this for hours yeah, so yeah. maybe how about this uh you uh agree now that we're going to do episode two at some point and yes 100 percent, 100 percent. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, uh, cool. That's how business gets done, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm not paying you for this. So exactly. not, this is just a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm just pleasuring Dan here. So um, <laughs> this is why this is exactly why this podcast is designated as not for children. Yes. <laughs> I did not know that. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> okay, so uh, like over the past decade, we've seen countless uh, apps that make no revenue, and they launch uh, and raise millions. And uh, the trend is changing. And uh, I think we're already experiencing some changes. What do you think the future for startup looks like post-COVID and uh, going forward 2021? Uh, what do you think will happen? So I think that it's going to be pretty much exactly the same. 
like it, the the businesses and the industries may change that uh, achieve um, that like get that hyper amount of funding and cash, but like it will, there will always be businesses or, or uh, VCs whose model is to pump loads of money into a vast majority of things to hope that something blows up because that is a business model in itself for them. So I don't think it's going to change, but it is very profitable when it works out. Um, I think that the interesting thing is though, that there are lots of indie makers such as yourself and the people within the community who understand that's not the only way of making money. And I think being empowering people to be able to build products and services for high, for niche for niches and a niche doesn't necessarily mean small it just means niche <laughs> um means that people will be able to make vast amounts of money and and still have a life and not have to be beholden to um that level of pressure for if you don't need to if you don't want it because some people do want to build things like that so i don't know if you heard about that clubhouse app that's been going around ah oh, there's an there's a app um, that is called Clubhouse, and it's basically, seemingly, I don't know because I haven't been invited yet, but it's a, a community-based app with um, that's based around voice. So it's a social network that's based around voice, and they um, they've got loads of celebrities on there and VCs are on there, and they've just raised ten million like uh, from Andreessen. Uh, okay, and I didn't. There wasn't. Uh, I can't remember the name now but there was like an app that was basically uh, a twitter for voice yeah 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 that's it yeah clubhouse that's it yeah, yeah. that's clubhouse because yeah. this was a couple of years back oh uh, no this okay so this is a, a new version because i guess the cycle is a cycle of apps that always get recycled but yeah. yeah yeah because i remember this and it wasn't it was kind of uh you basically recorded a, a voice message and then posted it and then people could listen to it mm. and i'm a i think maybe i'm getting too old for this shit but i'm the type of person that hates voice messages so when somebody sends me a whatsapp voice message I just go, like i'm listening to music doing my own thing and i need to stop everything to listen to you because you're too lazy to type so so it, i know that i'm not the target audience for this i'm 100 sure so maybe now the time is come for something like that because i kind of feel that whoever did it before failed because just the market wasn't ready yeah and, and i think kids today like kids when i say kids today just people who are now like now the new adopters or whatever it is yes. are ready for something like that. yes and i think that's the interesting thing is uh, so I, don't, I also don't mean to agree with you but i also hate voice notes um it's just annoying but um i think one thing to be mindful of when you're making something is that market not baby may not be ready due to the behaviors of your customers and if you're trying to try to get them to change their behavior unless you have lots of sway or lots of money you may not be able to get them to change their behaviors or force them to change their behaviors and that's what a lot of businesses try to do the startups try to do they try to get people to change the way that they behave um the reason why for example i believe that tiktok is blowing up so well is that people have always relatively been narcissistic so dancing. <laughs> <laughs> um, people have always wanted to share and and talk about things and communicate via video not the tiktok makes it so easy to share stuff outside of the platform so people were sharing it on instagram they're sharing it in whatsapps like whereas instagram until lately made it quite difficult for you to share things outside of the platform so that's being a building a platform for how people behave now is what has inspired its rapid growth um, um yeah so i think understanding your customers 
your target customer's behavior is actually key. Don't, and ideally don't try and change their behavior. Latch on to behaviors they already have. Yeah, I, I agree. I got hooked on, on TikTok and uh, when back, back when it was still uh, musically. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I first, first time I heard about it was from uh, one of Gary Vaynerchuk's videos. Mm. He was talking about this app is going to blow up, it's going to be amazing, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I installed it and I was like, okay, this is shit. This is a bunch of kids doing yeah. dumb faces, whatever. I deleted yeah. it. And so I went back and forth uh, installing and deleting like five times yeah. uh, until recently. And then I discovered, I think first person that got me on was actually Will Smith. Because uh, yeah. uh, he's, so I, he's so good. So I seen actually an interview with him somewhere. don't remember where, where he said that uh, this this platform basically gives him the opportunity to be as creative as, as he always wanted to be. Yeah. He talked about how hard it was in the nineties when you had an idea and you needed to do yeah. film it and then go to a studio. Like it yeah. took a while and then put, play it on TV. It just was like yeah. forever. And now he comes up with an idea a couple of minutes later, it's live, it's there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, let me see what Will Smith is up to. And I like followed Will Smith. Then I think he suggested Dwayne Johnson and whatever, just like yeah. spiraled from there. Yeah. And now I follow these mo most random people yeah. doing most funny stuff that are, uh, I love funny people that are funny in a way that I'm not funny in. Yes. So yes. like I, I'm a comedian, like spe specific type of humor, but this dumb dad joke that these people are doing on TikTok yeah, yeah. Is, just gets me like yeah. laughing every time. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the, the I think it's the nature, the kind of where we're at in society, especially going forward, is the democratization of pretty much everything, right? So like, I'm a big fan of no code tools for being able to build products and services, because as I mentioned, I can't code for the life of me, couldn't code to save my mom's life. Um, <laughs> however, I can build products and services using a combination of tools like Zapier, um, Airtable, um, yeah, Webflow. Yeah. So, and the same thing with TikTok um, and YouTube, for example, even back then, like before having a TV show would have been impossible. Now you can have a TV show by just having a camera in front of you, your laptop in front of you and talking to people. So being able to build audiences based on something that you like doing and that people find valuable is key. And yep. if you can do that, then it's also super defensible. Will Smith is Will Smith and has always been Will Smith, but he's now got a whole new set of fans from um from doing tiktok yeah absolutely uh since you mentioned i have to ask you uh i know that this like whole no code movement is a fairly new thing mm -hmm. uh and it seems fairly easy to people who are in it but i know it will give opportunities a lot of people who are yes. not good at coding to come up with certain solution can you tell me in a couple of bullet points what are the biggest advantages and can you recommend to people listening a couple of tools to check out and just do something with no code and see what they can come up with themselves. Yeah, sure. So um, no code is a um, effectively a movement where people get to build products or services or automations visually. So rather than having to write a line of code, they can visually develop uh, tools and services. Um, again, big fan of it because I feel like code is uh, tricky. <laughs> um, the advantages of it are being able to very quickly test out an idea or product or service um, without having to put too much time into it because oftentimes depending on what how you go about trying to approach your business you're likely going to be wrong but the faster you learn what's wrong about your business the quicker it is so the way that i look at no code tools are actually just i like the way i look at apps and services 
It's a function of your business. It's not the business. So what you need to do is actually test whether this business works, not just if this app works. So um, being able to throw together a type form and then um, an automation using Zapier to be able to get that data, put it into like an Airtable, which is a database, to be able to then present some data would allow you to build a very quick version of your business to see whether this is a thing. Um, the other benefit is developers are um, excellent and they have lots of skills and they are cost loads. And oftentimes trying to get a developer to build your thing is difficult because they've got lots of other people asking them to build a thing too. Uh, and they've probably got their own ideas. So if you can build something firstly, just to figure out whether there is a market for your business, if you can generate some revenue first, then at least you've got something that most people in the world have never done, which is generate revenue on the internet. Do you have any, uh, like from the top of your head, uh, nope. uh, links to certain services that are built on no code that people can check out and see like, okay, this has been built in a way that actually brings revenue. And it's yeah, not so, yeah, so um, I, the, the businesses that I know that are built off of no code are, uh, depending on the type of business, they may not say they're built on no code because that ultimately, my thing is that that doesn't matter. It's actually the, the, um, the business itself. So like, I don't, for example, I don't know the stack that um, Zoom's built on. Like, <laughs> I just know that it makes you build, it, it lets you have excellent conversation. So the best communities for being able to find no code tools and other no code makers, um, there's a company called MakerPad, run by a man called Ben Tossel, M-A-K-E-R-P-A-D which is great. Um, and then there's another one called No Code Founders, which is run by Michael JT. Um, and there's loads of other, if you just go on Twitter and search for No Code. But um, what's interesting is that a lot of the time, technical people or even people who want to be technical are really in love with the technicality of things. Oh, this tool looks cool. I could do this thing. And me personally, I'm like, I'm more on the business side. So this tool allows me to make money doing this. This tool allows me to help this person do this rather than just the technicality of the tool. But um, there are some really great things out there and I urge you to look at them because they may accelerate your learning and accelerate your uh, opportunities to make uh, that money, cash money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will, I will include everything that we discussed in the show yeah, notes. And I'll send so you a couple more links to some, um, to some other apps. There's a one that I really like called Glide. Uh, man, the website is glideapps.com. And it mm -hmm. lets you make a, an app from a Google Sheet in like five minutes. Okay. So, yeah, please do. I will include everything. Uh, hopefully, people will get to use it. And uh, it's been over an hour. So, uh, I want to kind of wrap it up. But uh, like any last words for the end? Uh, do you want to? plug anything, talk about anything, did I forget anything, just go. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, um, I think the only thing that I want to plug is we do office hours, actually. So um, if you go to our website, which is uh, Tectonic London, T-E-C-T-O-N-I-C London.com, you can visit our site and book 30-minute um, office hours, free office hours slots to talk to me or my brother, who is my boss, and my younger brother too, uh, about business and any problems that you may have. Uh, we just love talking to people. And then, yeah, um, we've also built a little app to help people and businesses ask the right questions at this time. Um, so well, I'll send you a link to that too, to send to your community. And yeah, um, on a positive side, like you can do this. 
um, you, you will, yeah, I believe in you guys. And um, yeah, stay safe. Great. So your younger brother is your boss. That's yes, yes. <laughs> so good. I will, I will leave this for the episode too. And then we can yes. go. Yes. The dynamic of that relationship is something that I would like to hear more. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, thank you so much for, for your time. It's been really wonderful speaking to you. I really appreciate uh, the time you took, uh, everything you shared. Uh, I think that you have some great experience, great stories, great insights. And I hope this will, this will help people uh, get uh, at least a little bit better. If it just helps one person, I exactly. think we, we, we made something great. 100%. So uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Uh, again and um, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> I will I will link to all of your uh, links where people can reach out to you mm -hmm. people can ask you questions or me or join our community uh, and I'm sure that we'll give our best to give the best answer yeah absolutely right thank you so much and speak no soon. thank yeah. you everybody for listening and bye-bye <laughs>